Last week, I, um, I brought to you some, uh, some questions to reflect, some things to reflect on last year. Look at the year that was, but here's the bottom line, it's gone. You can't do anything about it now, it's done and dusted. You can worry about it, you can regret it, you can do all those kind of things, but nothing changes it. It's over. The thing that you can do something about is the present, right? That's what you can do something about. You don't get to do redos of years. It'd be nice to have another one, but you actually don't get to do redos of years. What's done is done. And what's in your hands right now is the present and 2019. So what are you going to do with it? What are your plans? I want to give you a selection of thoughts from Twitter of uh, people's New Year's resolutions. Here's the first one. Increase my relationship status from forever alone to slightly desperate. That's an option. Uh, Never again will I take sleeping pills and laxatives on the same night. (laughs) New Year's resolution number 17, become as fat as I was the very first time that I ever thought I was fat. My New Year's resolution is to overcome my OCD. My New Year's resolution is to overcome my OCD. My New Year's... You get the point. Uh, My New Year's resolution is to be more assertive, if that's okay with you guys. (laughs) What's your target? What are you going to do? You heard that line, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So if you want a different 2019, you need to do something differently to 2018. There's lots of things, good things that you could do, like you could eat more kale. Uh, I thought that would be a joke for some of you, but you all took it seriously, you healthy people. (laughs) I want to throw a couple of uh, ideas in the mix for you, some things that you could consider as objectives or New Year's resolutions of a type, and some things I think that Jesus would be keen for you to consider having on your list. I read a section out of Romans 12 a little while ago and uh, I thought, man, this is a really good place for us to hang out for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the the year, some good things for you guys to consider. So can you open up to uh, Romans chapter 12? If you haven't got a Bible, there's Bibles up the back. You can sneak up and grab them. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 13. Romans chapter 12. Verse 9 to 13. Here we go. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I want to submit to you that these are good and worthy goals for you this year and that you should consider them. In any areas here where you're weak, get better at it. Get stronger. Any areas where you're strong, get stronger still. Let's uh, go through these really quickly. Here's the first one. Genuinely love. That's the first one. Let love be genuine. Now, the NIV says, let love be sincere. The actual rendering of the Greek text, which is what Romans was written in, actually means let love be without hypocrisy. And I need a couple of kids to help me out. Maybe five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. 
Two, a boy and a girl. Quick, quick. Who's up? Put your hand up. Yeah, good on you, man. What's your name? Max. Max. Everyone say good morning, Max. Excellent. Who have we got here? Addy. Everyone say good morning, Addy. Of course, she's a turner. Max, can you put this on? Yeah. Can you go, Can you see? Okay. Addy, there you go. Can you see? Can you guys see enough to go up on the stage? If you come over here, you just have to be careful. Are you right? Just come along here. Excellent. Can you just stand there so everyone can see? That's great. Okay, that look great, eh? That's Batman and Super Addy. Up there. Yeah, come on. You, you guys right for a couple of minutes just to stand there? Don't fall off, all right? Because we, we don't want to have to make an insurance claim this early in the year. Okay. Do you know who, um, who the hypocrites were in uh, the first century? They were actually the actors. Hypocrites originally were actually actors. And what would actually happen in a drama uh, that people would go and see in the theatre back in the day, in the first century, is the actors would actually wear masks. And the goal of the play, in a sense, was to wear the mask and over time, over the, the duration of the play, slowly but surely, the true nature of the person behind the mask would actually come out and you would see who they truly were. But until then, they were covered up by this mask. Good job. Round of applause, eh? Well done. Can I lift you down? Awesome. Good on you. I was going to get you to pull a few Batman stunts, but uh, I'm going to have to have a risk assessment for that. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying love without a mask on. Don't be something different underneath to what you are on the surface. Be true and be sincere in the way that you love people. So it leads obviously to the question, how could you actually love someone with hypocrisy? Well, you don't have to think too long to think of some ways to do it. Kids, listen to me. Do you ever say something to someone else with your legs or your fingers crossed? You do, right? Sometimes you cross your legs or your fingers, you say something, you might even say something nice. But you get out of it because your legs were crossed. It's like, ah, I got you. Adults, do you ever do loving things toward people while you're hating them on the inside? Do you? You say things like, I'm only doing this because I love you. (laughs) And you're raging on the inside. What about, even in Australia, Australian sarcasm? Australians are not good at saying nice things to each other. We are are really good at saying things that are sarcastic to each other, that are funny. True? When I was watching the other day, and Nancy Pelosi, the new Speaker of the House in America, uh, was on TV... She got interviewed, I think, before their, um, their first kind of session over there in the house. And uh, she went through about three things. She goes, I'm excellent at this, and I'm excellent at this, and I'm excellent at this. And, and that kind of stuff to Australians, kind of, it's like, okay, if she was in Australia, even the people who are supporting her right now just want to bring her down a few pegs, right? The old tall poppy syndrome. But we're actually not that good at saying nice things to each other. I think we're far better at being sarcastic than saying nice things to each other. Is that true? 
And, and I think that's a way that you can love with hypocrisy in a sense because you say something on the outside that's sarcastic and we all go, yeah, you're meant to feel the big Australian bro hug at that point in time. But it just doesn't, it doesn't always roll that way. So can we just say something nice to each other? You know, we don't, we don't let anyone say anything nice about themselves in Australia, but maybe we could actually say some things that are nice about each other. What about this? What about you could love with hypocrisy by saying that you were doing something for someone when in reality your motivation is to do it for yourself. You ever done that? I'm just doing this because I love you. No, you're doing it because you want a happy life. (laughs) And if you do that nice thing for them, you'll get what you want. Um, Have you ever heard... uh, All right, going to indict all the men here probably. But um, women, have you ever heard a man say, happy wife, happy life? So he makes his wife happy. Why? Not because he actually wants her to be happy, but because he actually wants a happy life. Like that's loving with hypocrisy, right? It is. Or, or this one, flattery. Flattery's loving with hypocrisy, isn't it? You say some things to someone's face that are really nice so that you can get the outcome that you want, but yet you don't actually think those things at all. Or gossip. That would be another loving with hypocrisy. Be nice to their face, but bad mouth and behind their back. Genuinely love. It's powerful, right? Really, really powerful. Let love be genuine. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. Love is amazingly powerful when it's genuine. Number two, hate and love the right things. Another option for you for a New Year's resolution, hate and love the right things. Now, you just kind of think, well, that's not that hard, is it? Well, it seems to be uh, a lot harder than it seems. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. It's harder than you think. Easier said than done. One of the things I think that makes it really difficult is the nature of temptation. Temptation always kind of parades itself as being good. In fact, it's in some ways parades itself as chocolate-coated poison. It looks sweet, it looks good, but it kills you on the inside. I don't know whether you can see that, but uh, there was a time in the world where eating, taking strychnine, which is a poison, they thought was good for you in small doses. And this is an actual poison bottle with chocolate-coated poison, basically. Chocolate-coated strychnine that you would take for your health. That's what temptation is, right? It shows up, it's chocolate-coated, looks really sweet, and then it kills you. It kills a piece of you. It kills a piece of your relationships. Alan Jackson, the great country singer, he's a great... Every country singer... No, I shouldn't say that, should I? Does anyone like Alan Jackson? No, I shouldn't out you, should I? It's a new year. Let's, let's start. Well, anyway, Alan Jackson said this. He said everything... In one of his songs, he wrote this. Everything I love is killing me cigarettes, Jack Daniels and caffeine and that's the way you're turning out to be. This is a really romantic song. Everything I love, going to have to give up because everything I love is killing me. That's the way it works, right? This whole thing about Paul is hate and love the right things. Hate evil, love the good. If you love evil, it's going to be killing you. That's how it works. Now, some of you go, well, how do you hate and love the right things? Well, you love God. That's it. Some of you go, yeah, right, yeah, really simplistic, Peter. That's, it's not really that helpful. But I want to tell you, it actually is 
the critical piece in the whole mix of hating and loving the right things is loving God. It works kind of like a governor. Puts a lid on stuff. Make sure that you love the right things, the right amount, and you hate the right things. Listen to this from St. Augustine. This might be a little bit confusing, but I'm sure you'll get there with me. He says, But living a just and holy life requires one to be capable of an objective and impartial evaluation of things. Listen to this. To love things, that is to say, in the right order. If you love, you know, people say, I love this ice cream. But if you love that ice cream more than you love your parents, that's a problem. To love things, that is to say, in the right order, so that you do not love what is not to be loved or fail to love what is to be loved or have a greater love for what should be loved less or an equal love for things that should be loved less or more or a lesser or greater love for things that should be loved equally. Did you make it? You know what orders your loves? And this is what Augustine is saying. The the love that orders every other love that you have is loving Jesus. And when you don't love Jesus, everything else gets out of whack. And you end up loving things that are really bad that are killing you. And they're killing your relationships. So the trick is, if you find yourself addicted to something or struggling with something, or you're loving these things and your relationships are going down the tubes, your first job is not necessarily just to stop doing that, but to love Jesus and realise that he loves you. And then what that will do is it'll get everything else in order underneath. Then you can get to work on the other stuff. That's how it works. It always works that way. I don't have time to explain more of the dynamic, but it always works that way. Number three, love like family. Now, lots could be said here, right? Some of you are thinking, oh, that would be easy. In my family, we just go at each other. We give it to each other. But slow down for a minute. What's Paul actually communicating here by saying love one another with brotherly affection? He's saying you actually belong to each other. Every single person in God's family is part of your clan, if you love Jesus. Whether you like them or not, they're just, they're in the clan, they're in the family, and they're, it's, we're kind of all in this thing together. Now, that's interesting because God's family's got some odd people in it. Has anyone noticed that? And some of you still think that you're normal. <laughs> you just do. You still think you're normal. God's family has got odd people in it. And do you know the reason why God's family has got some really odd people in it? It's because like every other human club, every other human club or organisation gathers people together with a common interest, right? That is not the way that God gathers his family together. God gathers his family together with a... And all the people that come and be part of that are people that know that they've blown it and they're a mess and they don't have common interests and God puts them all together in a family and calls it his church. And you're all part of that. So if you find people in his family that irritate you, that's why. Because you're not united by a common interest, you're united by, you're united by what Jesus actually says. I've said this before at the church, you know, you look at Jesus' disciples, you've got Matthew the tax collector who worked for the Romans and Simon the Zealot who probably wanted to kill him. I mean, that's interesting community group nights, isn't it? You know, and maybe they're sitting next to each other. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what Jesus does. He brings people together and the, the thing that unites them is the gospel, not... Uh, shared interest. Number four, honour others. Now here's a, co- a good competition you should have. Listen to this. Outdo one another in showing honour. 
Now, if you've got kids that like a good competition, let's have a competition on this one. All right? Imagine that. It's like, who's shooting for the, you know, their own kind of PB? And it's like, are we going to... We're not going to do this, right? But you could have a tally board at church and you could say, we are going to have a competition at the project in honouring each other. That would be a good competition, right? Some of you are not so convinced. I, uh, I taught at, uh, in high schools for almost 20 years. And one of the common conversations that would happen in... Uh, amongst teachers was we need to teach the students to respect the teachers, right? That was one of the things that would happen. And then teachers would go out and start talking about respect and then smart junior high boys would come out and just go, yeah, well, you need to earn our respect, right? So in the end, at the, um, there is a level to it. There is a, a side to that that is actually true, although I think that you can respect anyone. They don't have to earn your respect. But one of the things I used to do in the conversations with the teachers is... Uh, Let's stop using the word respect and start using the word honour. Because you can honour anyone. You can honour anyone, including people who don't deserve it. You can show them respect, status, you can give them status, worth, you can give them value. That's what honouring actually is. And who actually knows that when you honour people, they act differently? Has anyone noticed that? They just do. And I wonder, I suspect that there's probably a bunch of situations in your life where if you honoured the other person, most of the problem would go away. If you honoured them, if you valued them, it changes things. And kids, kids, you're listening? This is for you too. Honour people and value them. Look after them, treat them as special. And you might actually notice a bunch of your problems actually go away. Here's number five. Don't be lame, be pumped. That was a really lame response. <laughs> Don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know what Paul's saying here is he's going, Don't be lazy towards spiritual things. It should not be the case that people work harder and more zealous about things that they get paid for. It ought not be so, right? Let's be zealous and pumped up and fired up about God's stuff. You know, one commentator said this kind of image here is not so much about some kind of glowing light somewhere, but like a bubbling pot. You just got to get bubbling away with God's stuff. And I'd ask you, you're pumped up about what God is up to this year. Some of you go, well, I don't even know what he's going to do. Well, join the club. None of us really do, right? We get a little bit of an idea, but you could still be pumped about the fact that he exists and he's around and he's going to do good things. Are you pumped about his work this year? Are you pumped about serving him? Now, what if Jesus was lazy? What if Jesus wasn't pumped about saving you? None of you would get saved. What if he said, I'd rather sit and watch the TV? You don't get out of your hellhole. That's what happens. (laughs) But he wasn't, right? He was zealous. Scriptures say he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. He was clear about what he was doing and he went after it. What if Jesus was lazy and he was lazy in the way that he responded to your prayer requests? That wouldn't be cool, would it? I mean, everyone when they pray, they go, I really want Jesus to be zealous about what I'm saying to him. 
to him right now. I want him to hear me and I want him to respond quickly and be involved in it. See, the bottom line is if Jesus was lazy and he wasn't zealous about his stuff and looking after you, you wouldn't get help. And I'd, I'd just suggest to you today, if you're not on the boil, get on the boil and stay on the boil with Jesus. Work out what you've got to do to make that happen. Be a good New Year's resolution, right? For the whole of 2019, I am going to be pumped and zealous and just psyched up about whatever it is that God's doing and I'm going to trust him to show me what he's doing as we go. Here we go. Number six, approach trouble actively. Listen to this, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. This is not a bummer, right? But trouble is going to come to every single person this year, including your kids. Stuff is going to roll this year that you don't like and it's going to be painful and you just want to get rid of it. Now, you can approach that as a victim and be really passive and inactive about how you're going to engage with trouble that's coming. You can even on this day, the first Sunday of the new year, you could just go, I don't even want to think about the bad things that are going to come. But I'm just telling you, bad things are going to come this year to every single person in this room. I'm trying to help you, all right? They are. Stuff's going to happen that's painful. Now, some of you, a thought just makes you worry. And Jesus would say to you, you don't worry about the trouble that's in tomorrow. There's enough trouble in that day. Just live in the day that you're in. Don't live there before you get there. Well, how can you be active about the way that you approach trouble and difficulty and hardship? Well, the first thing Paul talks about here is you can be determined to rejoice because of hope. God exists. Can anyone give me an amen? God is good. Anyone give me an amen? God is with his children all the time. Anyone give me an amen? And God will turn every single thing in 2019 that's bad, hard, difficult, and you wish it never happened into something good. Amen? You can rejoice in that hope. That's not a wish, is it? That is not a wish. That is a sure and certain hope. That will happen this year. Jesus wins. He's going to be with you in everything. Here's the bottom line. The early church had very little to celebrate. Very little to celebrate. But they could always take joy. They could always rejoice in the hope of what God was up to and who he was, the hope of the gospel. Second bit there, be patient in tribulation. Now you've got to hear just in this phrase here that it's, this is not like be patient in tribulation. Some of you are going, in the original Greek, it means go and watch the BBL. Things are hard, so we'll just find something to distract ourselves with. We'll go really passive. It's like a bad storm. You know, it'll, it'll pass and everything will be okay in the end. This is not what Paul is talking about. He's actually talking about an active, steadfast patience. It's more like a marathon than watching the BBL. You know, there's going to be times this year that are going to be hard and you've just got to be determined with the strength that God gives you to endure and to persevere and to lean into what's hard. The kind of affliction that Paul's talking about here is deep and serious trouble. All right? It's not the fact that you ran out of breakfast cereal this morning or you didn't have milk in the fridge. That is not what Paul's talking about. He's saying deep and serious trouble is going to come Lean into it. Set yourself to endure. 
How you going? You going all right? Then, clearly and obviously, be constant in prayer. Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be? You know trouble's coming. You know there's, there's hope, there's certain hope because of God's presence and, and what he's up to in the world. You know that you need to endure. It's, it's more like a marathon than watching TV. So what do you do? You pray, you talk to him. Hope helps you to endure and gives rise to prayer. That's how it rolls. All right. A couple more. Back your spiritual family. Here's another New Year's resolution you could have. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And not just with words either, you know. James chapter 2 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? The answer is, it's no good. (laughs) So do something that's good. Do something that's helpful. It's good to pray for people. It's good to pray for people and do something for people. You see one of your brothers and sisters in God's family in need, you contribute financially, meals, time, mowing lawns, whatever you've got to do, gardening. Look to your family around you, folks, and contribute to them. And here's another tip. When you're needy, actually tell someone. That would be a good way to start. There's a good New Year's resolution. This year, when I'm needy, I will tell someone. Because a lot of times people don't do it. You know, my my relationship with one of our neighbours just went through the roof when I needed him to help me with some stuff. And I told him. And it was like just looking after the chooks, fixing part on the trailer I couldn't fix. I went and told him, look, I don't know how to do it. Can you teach me? And it was like, man, all of a sudden, we're over there and we're... We're fixing something together, we're talking about all sorts of stuff, we're having a beer, and I don't know where you stand with having a beer, but we were having a beer and some nice homebrew uh, and having a good yarn. Tell someone that you're needy and that you need something. Last one. Open your homes to people. Paul says here, and seek to show hospitality. Welcome other people as guests, and I am so proud of the Project Church because there's a bunch of people here who are welcoming into their homes in a week or so's time for the Restoration Group's intensive, people they've never met before in their lives. And this is exactly what that is talking about. And I just say to you, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And if you haven't done it this time, find ways to show hospitality to people. Get people over for meals, do life together. I mean, it's a reality, isn't it, that Eating together is still a central cultural reality. I think it's going to be until the day this world ends. People just eat together, have each other over. That's where you do life together. Listen to this out of uh, 3 John 5 and 6. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You, You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. The people in that John's talking about there, were offering hospitality to people they'd never met before. And, and John's going, you're doing well. And I'd say to you today, you're doing well. And be ready. One uh, commentator says this, he says, Christian hospitality must inconvenience us more than that of the world because we do not choose our time or our guests. It could be just spare of the moment sort of stuff. 
be hospitable. Now, here's where I want to finish. And the music team can come up now. Look at this one. My resolution for 2019 is to accomplish the goals of 2018, which I should have done in 2017 because I made a promise in 2016. (laughs) Some of you have lived long enough to uh, be a bit jaded by New Year's resolutions. You know, you make them, they fall by the wayside. And even what I'm sharing this morning, some of you just go, yeah, righto. So I could do one of these, it's going to last two weeks, it's going to be gone. So here's where I would just encourage you to be wise. Be wise in what you choose to put as your objective for this year or your objectives for this year and pick something that God wants to bring about in your life. (laughs) See, everything that we've just looked at in Romans 12 is what God is determined to bring about in your life. He is teaching you already to to love good and hate evil. He is interested in you learning about loving sincerely or loving in a genuine way. He, he does want you to be hospitable like he is hospitable. You, you getting the idea? He, he, he is determined to actually bring that stuff about in your life. So it's kind of like if you say, well, I'll just take loving people genuinely. If you say that my goal for 2019 is to love people genuinely, not only are you working on something there, but you've actually got God who's wanting to bring that about in you as well. And it's not this kind of little effort thing that you do on your own. It's like, by the time we get to March, I've forgotten what it even was. I was like, no, Jesus is actually going to carry out that work and make you everything that you need to be, which includes loving genuinely. In fact, you can make all of these your goal. Couldn't it? Do you get my point? You can try and do something on your own and come up with a cool idea or you can pick something that God's going to bring about in you and then you're on a surefire winner. (laughs) Pick one of those. Pick one of those things that God wants to do in you. Then it's an inside job, right? Because you've got the Holy Spirit who's inside of you and he's working on that stuff. And I tell you, even when you fail, there's going to be a win because he's not going to give up on you this year or next year or any year. And his goal is to complete that. So by the time you die or Jesus comes back, all these things that we did today are going to get done. Is that good news? They're going to get done. Here's a section of scripture that sums up what I've been saying. Well, Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's what I'm saying. Pick a New Year's resolution that God's up to in your life and you're on a surefire winner. (laughs) And work hard at it. And as you work hard at it, know that it's God that's working in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Why don't you stand with me? I'll pray and we'll sing. Jesus, I uh, would just ask that you would help us not to be lame. Even just help us not to be lame about what we hope for and what we aim for in 2019. Because you are up to wonderful, wonderful things around us and in us. 
So Jesus, help us to choose well. And I pray that you would just help us this early stage of the year to, to be a good partner with you and your work. We wouldn't run off and find a whole bunch of New Year's resolutions that kind of sound nice but have nothing to do with you, but we'd find stuff that aligns with what you're up to. And then we just trust you to, uh, to bring this about in our lives. Thanks for that. Thanks we can relax. We can relax in the sure and certain hope that you're going to bring these things about. Amen.